Today's reading is taken from Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 39. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means Queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading the prophet, Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they travelled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptised? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptised him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. This is the word of the Lord. The scripture that Abby's just read about Philip and the Ethiopian, it's a fascinating account of two men, unknown to each other, on completely separate journeys, who by an extraordinary coincidence, meet in an unlikely place. And when one asks the other a question, the answer to that question totally changes the man's life. And we all have questions, don't we? We have simple questions. We have everyday questions. We probably got up this morning and said, what shall I wear? I mean, after all, you probably thought, well, I'm going to church. On the other hand, it's a hot day. What do I wear? What am I doing today? How am I going to fit it all in? These are the kind of everyday questions that we have. But also, from time to time, sometimes there are bigger questions that occur to us. Things like, is there any purpose to my life? What am I doing here? Where am I going? What does the future hold? Is there more to life than this? Those are life's big questions, and it's not often that we find the time to address them properly. The Ethiopian in our story this morning had plenty of time to think through his questions, because it turns out um, he was on a very, very long journey, some four to 5,000 mile round trip. But you know what? He still needed help with the answers to his questions. Next slide, please. It started in the country of Ethiopia. And if you just hit the key once. It started in the country of Ethiopia. And he travelled all the way up through Sudan and Egypt 
to Israel. And he may have been, it says in the text, that he was going to worship in Jerusalem, which means he might have been Jewish, or he might simply have been a seeker on a pilgrimage, going to Jerusalem, a well-known place of pilgrimage, to find out for himself. At any rate, he goes there, he spends a little bit of time there, we don't know how long, and now he is on the return journey. And he's sitting, next slide, in a horse-drawn carriage. The, the text calls it a chariot, but don't think of something like a, a war chariot. It would have been more like a horse-drawn carriage with a, with a, a shade for the sun. And uh, he was an important official, we're told, um, who worked for the Queen of Ethiopia. And so he certainly would have had servants and would have been a, well-to- a well-to-do person. But he was also engrossed in reading through a particular bit of scripture. He was reading through the book of Isaiah. It would have been a scroll, but he was reading through the book of Isaiah, which is part of our Bible today. And he was on a desert road heading towards Gaza, which is the same Gaza that we hear about often in the news today with the distressing conflict that blows up from time to time between Israel and the Palestinians. This next slide is part of the old road to Gaza today. That's what it looks like, a dusty road through the desert. But meanwhile, another man had started out from Jerusalem, heading for Gaza, sometime before the Ethiopian. And that man is Philip, one of Jesus' original 12 disciples. And Philip had set out in response to a message from God given to him, we're told, by an angel. Now, we don't know if that was a visible being or whether it was just a voice he heard or something he sensed. But he obediently sets out on foot in response to God's prompting. And after a while, the Ethiopian's horse-drawn carriage catches him up and draws alongside. And as it does, God's spirit gives Philip another nudge. Go to that chariot and stay with it. And so he does. And he's able to hear the sound of the Ethiopian reading out loud from the prophet Isaiah. Now, it's fascinating. I don't know if you knew this, but it wasn't until the 4th century AD that people adopted the practice of reading silently. Before that, everybody read out loud whatever they were reading, wherever they were, whether they were on their own or with others. Silent reading only started being practiced for about 400 years later. So he would have been reading it out loud, and Philip hears what he's reading. And he runs up to the carriage, and he says, do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian says, how can I, unless someone explains it to me? You know, very often today people say, well, I've tried reading the Bible, but I don't quite understand it. And very often we need help with it. The Ethiopian needed help. And these are the words he was reading. Next slide. We heard it in the reading. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And you know, when I was preparing for this this week, and I, and I read this this bit of scripture. Someone came to my mind 
someone very topical, someone very local, and that was PC Andrew Harper. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. He was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. PC Andrew Harper has this in common with Jesus. He lost his life while following his calling to serve the people, to serve society. That's you and me. It's that personal. It turns out that the passage that he was reading from was Isaiah chapter 53. And it's a passage that describes someone known as the suffering servant, with written hundreds of years earlier, but which prophesied the coming of a person sent by God who would sacrifice his life for the sins of the whole world. And the Ethiopian asks Philip, who is the prophet talking about? And Philip gently explains to the Ethiopian that this prophecy had come true in the life, the death on a cross, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thanks. And for the Ethiopian, this is a life-changing moment. He's travelled for months on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. He's still seeking God on the way back, reading the scriptures, trying to make sense of them. And his moment of life-changing revelation comes on a hot, dusty road through the desert when he has an encounter with a spirit-filled follower of Jesus who answers his question, who is the prophet talking about? And you know, 20 years ago, when I was in business, long before I became a vicar, and I was on a business trip to South Africa... I was forced on this particular trip to extend it. I hadn't planned to, but we hadn't yet reached a deal with our business partners. It was going on something like a Brexit negotiation, and we couldn't close the deal. But it was only because of that unexpected change that I found myself sitting in the passenger seat of a Jeep at dawn on Saturday morning, driving north through the game reserves up to the Waterberg Mountains with a friend called Chris, I hadn't seen for many years. But unknown to me, when we set off, Chris had become a follower of Jesus, in other words, a Christian, since I had last seen him. In those days, I wasn't a churchgoer. Although, just like the families today, we did get our children christened at our local parish church, mostly because it was expected of us by our families. And Kirsty, I think, thought it was some kind of divine insurance policy as well. But I wasn't at all sure that I believed in God, even then. Anyway, on that weekend, on the Sunday morning, Chris invited me along to a little thatched roof church out in the bush near his cottage. And I went out of politeness, after all, He'd been a kind host to me for the weekend. And in the hour or so I was there, through the music, through the prayers, through somebody explaining the scriptures, a bit like I'm standing here now doing, the incredible sense of the presence of God 
came down on me and I was filled with an amazing love and joy that I'd never experienced before. And somehow I must have just opened my heart up to God that day. And I knew when I walked out that my life was never going to be the same again. I had no idea I'd be a vicar, but I knew that my life was never going to be the same again. And the scripture tells us that after Philip left the Ethiopian and he went on his way, he went on his way rejoicing. He too was filled and with that love and joy, experienced the love of God in the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And you know, it's fascinating today that we know that the area where that Ethiopian came from became one of the earliest thriving centres of Christianity following his return home to Ethiopia. And so it seems that God had done something so powerful in his life through his experience with Philip on that desert road that he became the catalyst for spreading the good news of Jesus to that part of the world. But there's one part of the story so far that I've left out and I need to return to it. And that's the Ethiopian's baptism, or his christening, if you like. Because when the penny drops and the Ethiopian understands the love of God in Jesus, they come to a stream beside the road or a small pond or or some water anyway, and he says to Philip, what's to stop me being baptised right here and now? And there and then, on the side of the road, they get down from the carriage and Philip baptises him. And I want to finish my talk this morning by just thinking about the question, is this baptism we read about in the scriptures, is this the same thing as these lovely infant baptisms that we've done this morning with Lily and Katie that we've witnessed this morning? Is it the same thing? And my answer is both yes and no. It's yes because it symbolises exactly the same thing. It symbolises the act of baptism when a person declares their faith in Jesus and gets baptised in water just as the Ethiopian did. And also as we did here three weeks ago with some adults. Here's Mamta coming up on the slide. We, in this space here there was a big pool right where, you're, right where I'm standing here. We baptised Mamta. Next slide, we baptised Cindy. Next slide, we baptised Patricia. They all went through the waters of baptism. And baptism symbolises identifying ourselves so completely with Jesus that as we go down into the water, it's like we've died with Jesus, leaving our old lives behind us. And then as we come up out of the water, it's like rising to new life, as Jesus did, rose from the dead and starting afresh. And so, yes, the christenings of Lily and Katie symbolise exactly that same thing. But it's also different in an important respect. Because in a christening, of course, Lily and Katie are too young to express for themselves that, that belief. They don't know They know of their parents' love for them, for sure, but they don't know of that love that God has for them. Um, And once, of course, we've grown up, we have to decide for ourselves whether we're going to put our faith and our trust 
in God. And you know, in one sense, everybody in this room, every grown-up person in this room, is either like Philip in our story or like the Ethiopian before he met Philip. In other words, we either already know the love of God in Jesus for ourselves or we don't yet. But it challenges every single one of us. Because if we don't yet know that life-changing love that God has for us, then this is an invitation to open ourselves up to God. Coming to know that God actually loved me, that no matter what I'd done in the past, which was a pretty thick catalogue of bad stuff, I can tell you, he still loved me like a long-lost son. That he arranged to put me in a jeep at dawn on that Saturday morning and take me to an encounter with Jesus which would change my life. It's amazing. And perhaps he has led you here this morning for that very same reason. Perhaps if you thought about the course of your life and how you have come to be here this morning, you too might see that this is no coincidence, but God has perhaps led you here And if he has, will you respond to him? And if that's you, I'm going to give you a chance to respond to him in a moment. But we should equally be challenged by this story if we are more like Philip, if we've been going to church all our lives, if we already know that love and forgiveness and freedom from guilt and shame which God has brought to us in Jesus. Because Philip was totally open to God directing his life. First by responding to God's call to tell him to go to take the Gaza road. Second, by the Spirit's nudge to say, run up alongside that carriage and, 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 and stay close. And finally, to help the Ethiopian understand the scriptures, to tell him about the good news of Jesus. So if we already know that good news, how prepared are we to share it with others? How open to changing our plans are we to follow a nudge from God's Holy Spirit. This story challenges every single one of us. But what I can say from my own experience is two things. Firstly, the joy of coming to know the love of God that day 20 years ago was the most amazing event in my whole life, as it was for the Ethiopian. To know that you are truly loved, totally forgiven for everything in the past, and set free to begin a new life, It is amazing. Secondly, the sheer adventure of allowing God's spirit to direct one's life and allowing him to direct my life as far as I would let him has been so exciting. It's been the most incredible adventure. But we all, to return to the beginning, we all have questions. We all have doubts. And there's something we do here at St. Matthew's that is a really great way to get to grapple with some of those questions and doubts. Something I did following that experience 20 years ago in Africa, and that something is called the Alpha Course, which starts up in late September. The details are in your service sheets. And so this is a kind of invitation. Alpha, by the way, is less of a course and more of just a really good opportunity to explore life's big questions in a relaxed environment over tea, coffee and cake. Cake is the secret ingredient. And you get a chance to say what you think, to ask what you want, 
and have some of the best discussions, the best evenings you'll ever have, grappling with different aspects of life and faith. It doesn't cost anything other than a little bit of your time. So if you're interested in coming along, let us know, either today or over the coming days, and we'll keep a space for you. I'm going to finish now with a prayer. If you feel this morning that you would like to take a step of faith and like the Ethiopian, invite Jesus into your life, you can pray this prayer along with me silently in your heart. The prayer says three things before I pray it. It says, sorry for the past. It says, thank you to Jesus for dying on the cross. And it says, please come into my life by your Holy Spirit. Let's bow our heads. Here's the prayer. Thank you, Jesus, that you are here with us now by your Spirit. I'm sorry for all the things that I've done wrong in my life. Please forgive me. I want to put all those things behind me and start afresh. Thank you that you died for me on the cross so that I could be forgiven and set free from the past. Please come into my life. Guide me by your Holy Spirit and be with me forever. Amen.